Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nicholas Speculation from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd, TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Write that down. I I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. Write that down. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Gentlemen, Phil Mackie. How goes it? Um, a little bit, a little bit disenchanted, I would say. I forgot to change the mic sponge. I've become very like old, like Joe Suture-ish with <laughs> changing the mic sponge. Not me. I'm just going to, I'm just going to take it off. We're going to go without mic protection here. Oh, you might, okay. oh, you might be popping then. Uh. Your peas might pop. That's what I hear. Write it down. You like writing Radio things down. Radio veteran like me. <laughs> um, so before we dive into more Vikings discussion, let's do a little write that down session and accountability session here. <laughs> do we? Where uh, a I lot of Vikings not as things... much Judd accountability as it was. Well, who's twenty one the well, last two weeks? It well, can't be that much more. Let's just say you know how the uh, the Diamondbacks we used to be in the playoff hunt about two weeks ago and they've pretty much lost every game. Yep. Yeah, I'm not saying there's comparisons, but <laughs> let's start with. Uh, All right, we'll, we'll go st- ahead. Let's start with, you know, let's start with the contributors, you know, the the, the producers and co-hosts. So James predicted, James uh, predicted Elfline would not play a snap in September. That's incorrect. Uh, Doogie predicted that Carl Anthony Towns would sign the max contract, but not until after the state fair. So we'll give him credit for little double there. By the way, if you're new to the show, I know we do. We, we used to be in the mornings, and so we do have new listeners in the afternoons. This segment, we keep track of our predictions throughout the course of a year. Most shows just give predictions and then hope that no one notices when they're wrong. <laughs> we hold each other accountable and keep track of batting averages for our predictions. Which I'm beginning to really regret. Yes. Write it down. You like writing things down. Uh, let's, go, um, let's go to Judd here. All right. You said... The Vikings would cover the... Well, you said they beat the Bills by 17 points. Effectively, you said that they'd cover the spread against the Bills. Yes, I did. Uh, you once long ago said Bartolo Colon would pitch for the Twins in 2018. <laughs> unless unless they unveil him on Sunday And or he should have. <laughs> he could have helped. Can you imagine Bartolo Colon and Williams uh, Astadio in the same as the battery? clubhouse? Oh, my God. As the battery, yeah. Uh, I'm, I may need some help on this one. You said 394 would undergo multi-lane construction in 2018. <laughs> I don't Or they'd it, shut down multiple lanes for did, an extended it didn't, stretch. It didn't. Right. Yeah. Uh, you said Blake Bortles would not be Jacksonville starting quarterback week one. This is an unprecedented amount of stuff coming off the board over three weeks. It's amazing. Yeah. You said Burt Blylevin would block me on Twitter sometime this year. It hasn't happened. And I will not tempt fate this weekend. Bert, what are you doing? So unless you can convince him to seek me out and block me. <laughs> correct. 
You did, however, say Case Keenum would be picked off at least five times in the first three weeks of the season. And he has been picked off exactly five times. Let's give me a round of applause. (laughs) What's my good prediction? That's Do I get a solid. double or triple for that? I give you a double for that one. Double because like because you got to take his career into into account. <laughs> uh, so we'll and we'll get to your season total here in just a second. Okay. The um, let's get let's get to uh, my predictions here. I said the Buffalo Bills would not score double digits. <laughs> they did in the first three minutes or something. <laughs> I said that Paul Fenton would get a wild player to waive a no trade clause this offseason. <laughs> That the Vikings would finish exactly 11-5 and five and reach the NFC Championship game. <laughs> Mathematically, they cannot finish exactly 11-5, and five, so that prediction's off the board. Yeah. I say Glenn Taylor would not be quoted before Wolves Media Day, and Butler like wouldn't be directly quoted, not through sources. Okay. And that Butler wouldn't be traded before. That's a single. Uh, I said uh, Tiger Woods will win a tournament before the year is over. Triple there because mm-hmm. I said that about three weeks ago, and uh, I said sometime earlier this summer the Timberwolves will keep Andrew Wiggins. They will not trade Andrew Wiggins, and a story will be written about his improved shooting. But did we get the improved shooting story? This from Timberwolves.com. Oh wait 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 wait! It wait, counts. I'm, I'm no no no. House organs don't count. It. Counts. Here it is. A key factor in Wiggins bouncing back this year will be finding more opportunities to get to the rim. Wiggins' improved three-point shot mm. and elite finishing ability give him the ability give him the ability to become an incredibly effective I scorer. But that's like Phil. That's like a that's like reaching on an error, though, right? I that's can't like believe the, you're taking that's a like house Miguel Sano booting it at third base, and you, you legged out, and you got you got it out, yeah, you got to first base. You Thank you, man. Listen, yes. Manny, you reached base, but you reached base on an error. Listen, and, and write that down, court. It doesn't matter how you get there. You know what this it's is? It's a single. This is Peyton Manning last year, the wobbly football going through the air, and I want to puke while he wins the Super Bowl. Write it down. You like writing things down. I can't believe you gave yourself that. And later on wow. Vikings.com, yeah. we'll have more. Yeah, what's Wobby going to write for you? And we've we've kind of neglected listeners. We, we've In our new time slot, we haven't done a very good job of, it's mostly my fault, corralling listener predictions. So we went through them, and it is not good news for our listeners. Tom F. predicted Logan Morrison would hit at least 20 home runs at Target Field. I don't blame him, actually. Boyd said the Twins, Wolves, and Wild will all make the playoffs in 2018. Matt S. said Kirk Cousins' knee will explode by October. I guess it it technically could happen this weekend. Uh, Dan C. also said Kirk Cousins will tear his ACL by week three. What's wrong with these people? Just a bunch of sadistic, sadistic, pessimistic fans. Uh, Dan C. also predicted the Twins would have the best record in baseball in the second half of the season. And that would allow them to win the division by at least two games. (laughs) Dave said the Twins would play the Angels in a game 163. Josh F. said Barrios will have a perfect game and a no-hitter this season. What? Wait, really? Yeah. After his first start where he was awesome. Okay, but still. Yeah. Uh, Blake said Cat will reject the max contract. Brian said Buxton will break the consecutive stolen bases record this year. 
He might have somewhere. Dustin said Jarek McKinnon will lead running backs in receptions this year. Right, that's not going to happen. But our guy, the dude, loyal listener, said Miguel Sano will miss at least six weeks this season due to injury. Hey, the dude. And we're going to give him that one. So, And you know what? You can come back with the same prediction <laughs> next year and be pretty darn sure you'll be right yes. again. So for the first time this season, I have passed Judd in batting average. I'm now batting 252. Judd's down to 250. But you're slugging 30 points higher at 455. Well, yeah, and you also passed me in batting average because you took a Timberwolves.com hey, column. Listen, I just, you I, I mean, what, what <laughs> would even cause you to find that? Just a, just a standard Google search for Andrew Wiggins shooting offseason. Oh, my god! And uh, let's see. Uh, listeners are now down to 182, and our guests slash producers like the Manny... And James types are batting 261 in their category. So, all right, let's uh, let's go through some. I want Timberwolves.com to rip the entire franchise. That's what I want. <laughs> Butler and Tibbs out of line, Timberwolves.com. They should let Pete write for Timberwolves.com. Everyone should Insider. be fired here. And I work here. That's what you could write. <laughs> write this out. All right, we'll start with Judd and go around the horn. <sighs> Eric Stahl will be moved by the wild by the trade deadline this season. Hmm. Eric's, Taking another, another bite at that apple, huh? Eric, I'm going back. I'm going back because it makes too much sense for a, not a playoff team. Eric Stahl will be moved by the Wild. He's got a limited no trade, but not a complete no trade, by the deadline this season. Okay. I'm going back at it. All right. So that's two years in a row for that. Write it down. You like writing things down. <laughs> just recycling, though. Over to Manny. Gotten lazy. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to win the National League pennant. Ooh. Oh, that's, that's a home run if that happens. The Brewers Ooh. are going to win the National League. Pick. I ho- hope you didn't read that at Brewers.com. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Write this down. All right, write, write this down. <laughs> I, I almost went with a Brewers A's World Series, write that down. But since you already since you already went with the Brewers prediction, I'll give you a, a Vikings prediction. The Vikings, despite how bad things are right now, will still win this division. This division is not as good as we all thought. The Packers are flawed. The Lions are whatever. And the Bears have Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, who I, I'm not buying Mitch Trubisky. So the Vikings will still find a way to win this division, even if it's 9-6-1 that gets them there, or like 10-5-1. So write it down. Write right. this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. The Gopher men's hockey team will make the NCAA tournament this season in the first year under Bob Motzko. Okay. They will rebound from a stretch here of uh, non-greatness. They will make the NCAA tournament this season under Bob Motzko. They should. I mean, for God's sake. Write it down. You like writing things down. I'll take the single. I'll take the single at this point. No problem. All right. Back to Manny. Uh, To sort of piggyback off of what Judd said, it's almost like you read my mind. The Gopher men's basketball team will make the NCAA tournament, and they will win a game in the NCAA tournament. They will reach the round of 32. Okay. In the NCAA tournament. So just to clarify, because that that could be two different things, if they get to the... The play-in, if they're like the 11 seed versus the 11 seed, they're, that they're doesn't reach, count. They're, they're going to get to the round, the round of 32. 32. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just wanna, I just want to clarify. Like, yep. if, That's bold, Manny. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right. Write this down. The Los Angeles Rams are for real. They will win at least 14 regular season games. Mm. But the, you're going to just stop with for real. The Rams are for real. Carl Anthony down. Towns is the man, and the Rams are for real. <laughs> Uh, the Rams, the Rams will go at least fourteen and two in the regular season. Right. Write it down. Write this down. Write that down. I, I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. The Twins aren't good at much these days, but they're good at one thing, and so you can write this down. 
The Minnesota Twins will have at least one new bar in Target Field next season. <laughs> there will be at least one new, and I don't mean remodeled. I mean, we will find out they have found another nook, cranny, or just some place to put a new bar. There will be a new bar in Target Field next season. How about just season. inside the dugout, the home dugout, just to make it a lot easier? <laughs> Guys, once once August rolls around. Molly, where are you going? Have at it. going to get a drink. I can't watch this crap anymore. <laughs> I'm going to the I'm going to the clubhouse. Oh no, that's the new bar. It's called the clubhouse. Molly Write it down. Says, you like writing things down. Molly just says, "Yeah, I need a gin and tonic." Yeah. I just say, hey, "I can't." You know, <laughs> Miguel just booted another one at third base, and I need something. Can't yeah. deal anymore. Yeah. yeah. All right, back to write Manny. this down. Kirk Cousins will throw for five thousand yards Ooh. this season. So his, so his pace will slow down, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. He's going to get to five thousand yards passing this year. Yeah, he's on pace. I saw Dave Campbell from the AP send this out. He's on pace to break the all-time yardage record. But there's two guys in front of him, Ben Roethlisberger and, Goff. and is it Jared Goff too? Probably, yeah. Yeah, so he's there's three guys so on pace to break, break the all-time it. yardage record. <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, final prediction for the week here. Write this down. Joe Maurer... I don't have any intel on this. This is not a report. This is not. This is just reckless speculation. Joe Maurer will announce his retirement after the season. I'm going to make it official. Okay. That he will uh, he will hang up the cleats and he will not play baseball anymore for the Minnesota Twins or any other major league team. I got a problem then. If that's if that is going to be true, do I stay home and watch football on Sunday or actually go to the game? If if this is Maurer's last game on Sunday, if you're right, it, it's his last game on Sunday. They should. He. Sh- this is why he should. I, Maybe he doesn't know, but if he knows, if he knows, yeah, he should he should, he should say something it. before Sunday. I'd sort of like to see his last game, though. Do you think he knows? I think in his heart he does, but as I told you, I think I think because Joe is Joe, he also thinks, well, may, maybe the family will talk me out of it. Yeah, but yes, I think right now he is <laughs> leaning towards retirement. But if it's the last game, I'd sort of like to see it. Yeah, I I would too, but I don't know. He's got. <laughs> I'll be watching. The like there sh- there should be some sort of yeah. I I'd, I'd rather be watching <laughs> football. Let's be honest. Hi, Joe. Yeah, um, see ya. We had, it's the football hour in about 45 minutes. We will hear from Sage Rosenfels as we do every Friday. He's got thoughts on what happened last night. Plenty more. I know you threw out some interesting stats in case people are wondering, oh, is this, is this a defensive blip or not? We can get back to that. Every Friday around this time, my guy Dale Tondrick and I have in-depth discussions about retirement and financial planning, making sure that you and your family and your loved ones are set up for the future. It's called the Friday Retirement Playbook. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. Let's check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 35E northbound. We have a traffic incident reported. Adding a few minutes to your commute. That's in Lilydale near uh, Highway 13 and Sibley Memorial Highway. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And also 94 eastbound, we have a crash between Pryor Avenue and Snelling in St. Paul, adding about five minutes to your commute there. Hard-fought game. Um, you know, giving the Rams a lot of credit. They did some uh, some very good things. Uh, you know, we didn't play well enough defensively, uh, in the, especially in the passing game, uh, to uh, to affect the game. But I thought offensively, uh, we did some good things, moved the ball well, um, and just came up short. Gentlemen, I don't think this ranks number one on the reasons why the Vikings lost list from last night, but the thing that drove me the most crazy, and I don't know if you guys had a, a chance to touch on this a lot in the 3 o'clock hour, the botched last 30 seconds of the first half 
Mm. No, we didn't even get to that. Okay, well, let's roll up the sleeves here. Because I know they... It probably still results in a field goal because they, the clock was ticking with about 25 or 28 seconds to go, and the Vikings had one timeout left, and they were on the they were right in the like the 40 to 45 yard range of field goals, and I, I, we were watching the game together. All of us were in here for Ventline, and we're screaming at the TV, "Call timeout!" Mm-hmm. So the 26, 25, 24, you've got a veteran coach who screws up clock management. And <laughs> I think Kirk Cousins can be considered a veteran quarterback at this point. He's 30 years old. He's been a starter for four years in the NFL, right? Yep. Or five, parts of five years. And the clock's running down. It's like, okay, it's it's going to take you 10 to 15 seconds minimum to get everyone up at the line of scrimmage. Okay, so let's say your strategy comes through and you get everyone up there with within 10 or 15 seconds and you spike it. Okay. Well, now you have 11 or 12 seconds left, best case scenario and a timeout. But if you would just call a timeout with 25 or 26 seconds left, you could run something 20 yards over the middle of the field. Like your Mm -hmm. options are wide open for what you can do in that spot and still have time to get up and spike it. And I just thought in the moment it was annoying. It cost them a chance to maybe get four extra points if they would have scored a touchdown. But more so, I thought it was a, a big picture glimpse into something that's going to come back maybe time and again. That if you don't have an instinct as a quarterback and as a head coach for what has to happen in that spot, that's a huge problem. Amazingly, I, I read that actually it wasn't Cousins clocking the ball from shotgun, which is really odd, that stopped the clock. Zimmer did call the timeout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he called the last timeout. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that happened. After 22 yes. seconds, but what, but what ran you, off the clock. But at, fir- at first, so they so they completed the 13-yard pass, and at first you thought to yourself, okay, they're just going to call timeout, and then they didn't, and then you're like, okay, I guess they're going to have Cousins go up under center really quickly yeah. and clock the ball, and then they didn't do that. Because yeah. at that point, at, at that point, it's like, okay, eight, seven seconds left, just let them spike the ball, keep the timeout, See if you can run a quick play that might take three, four seconds off the clock. Get a few, get a few yards closer. Then take the timeout if you're still in bounds. Yeah, yeah. And the the Rams also seem like a team that it, when you have little opportunities like that to get an extra twenty seconds kept on the clock and maybe score an extra touchdown, or you have that one busted assignment defensively that leads to a big touchdown. Like that's the that's the type of team that if you make one or two of those mistakes, especially mm-hmm. on the road, you're not going to beat them. That is that. That's a team you thought. Oh, you know, maybe that was just a one-year deal, and McVay and Goff, and we'll see if they can prove it. They're they're only building oh, they're on what they it. did last year. Yeah, that was, <laughs> and um, and and Jared Goff too. I think a lot of people had questions about him two years ago because he looked so raw and it just just didn't look like he was ready to play as an NFL quarterback. And you watch him now, yep. And whether you credit Sean McVay, you know, eighty percent for that, whatever. Like Sean McVay is not throwing those darts thirty yards down the field in the only spot that a receiver can catch it for a touchdown. He deserves a ton of credit for how accurate he is. I was, I came away thinking. Yeah, the Vikings have a lot to work on, but holy cow, the Rams are absurd. That that Rams team right now offensively is a Western Conference NBA team. The yeah, Golden I mean, State. Yeah. We had or a caller Houston. last night on Ventline basically said that they are. like they're like the Warriors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's another interesting uh, Rams anecdote that was tweeted out by Jim Trotter. Jim Trotter from uh, he was SI, now he's ESPN. He, he was well, he was ESPN SI. And I don't know what he's doing. Now. I think NFL media. And he tweeted out the most interesting statement from a Rams offensive lineman last night was Whitworth telling me the coaching staff doesn't coach football. They teach football. They stress the why, not the what, and put all 11 players in a position to see the big picture 
and adjust on the fly. Mm. So they're not trying to memorize what they're supposed to do. They understand the big picture of mm-hmm. what this is, and and they can sort of fill in the gaps when there's moments of uncertainty. And so the, the Rams are well coached. They've got an accurate, incredible young quarterback, and they got a couple dudes on that defensive line too that are just poor Tom Compton this morning. Can't imagine <laughs> well, that, it, that that dude's got to go back and watch the film at some it's, point. It's not oh, fair. God. It's not fair because he shouldn't be out there. No, no, uh, he shouldn't be out there. So Phil, the past. Five and a half games since halftime of the Saints playoff game. So starting in the third quarter of that game and every game since, Vikings defense is giving up 31.3 points per game, 398.4 yards per game, 299 yards passing per game. Yikes. Before that, last year, 15.8 points per game, first in the league. Yards per game, first in the league again, 275.9. So that's now up to 398.4. And passing, 192.4 yards per game, second in the league last season in 16 games. So this is a fork in the road because at some point, everyone gets figured out in the NFL. Everyone gets figured out. And And the greats, and I'm talking about Mike Zimmer here, and the greats find a way... To evolve and counter yes. and readjust, right? You know, at at one point, Buddy Ryan's defense got figured out. The forty six, yeah, in the eighties, absolutely. Uh, you know, the West Coast offense defenses figured out how to how to thwart it but, at different points along the way. But when when is that fork in the road going to be acknowledged? That's what surprises me here. Well, no, I think I think Mike Zimmer acknowledged it in his comments from last night. No, when, I, I. But I'm I'm saying from a personnel and scheme standpoint. When do you start to change things? Well, he, I mean, if I'm, if I'm recalling his quotes uh, correctly from last night, he said, this is the worst I've ever seen a pass defense since, since, since I can remember coordinating and or head coaching. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just have to go figure out, you know, what the adjustments are. I mean, he clearly, he's not being stubborn. I think it's just a matter of what's the next chess move for him. It's just weird because we, we sat here on our show throughout, after the Philadelphia debacle. And I said to you, I'm confident that he's going to take what Doug Peterson did to him and, and adjust now. And it still ha- hasn't happened, and we're now four games in. And last night it got exploited really bad because the Rams are so good. But that's my curiosity is now, what's the comeback? Yeah. Well, let's talk to Sage Rosenfels about some of this stuff when we come back here. Sage has been a weekly guest on our show on Fridays throughout the season. You can also find him twice a week on the Purple Podcast, diving in with Matthew Collar. So we'll talk to Sage when we come back. Uh, We'll catch up with Collar on his way back from Los Angeles. He was at the game. We'll talk to him in about a half hour. We'll wrap with Roycey. All right, Mackie and Judd, and uh, let's get him in here, Sage Rosenfels. I'll say this was an amazingly entertaining game to watch last night, and for a while it felt like the Vikings were going to pull it out. Sage, I I have a hot take for you to start things out. All right, are you ready? Let's do it. So I know that the Vikings defense is getting absolutely savaged for their lack of performance last night. My main takeaway was, okay, the Vikings defense definitely could have played better, but Jared Goff was absurdly good in that game. I came away thinking a lot more about Jared Goff and Sean McVay than I thought negatively about the Vikings defense. Is that fair? Well, I think I think it's fair in the sense that uh, Goff's a good quarterback. I mean, I think that's the deal. That's why he was drafted number one overall. Uh, I, I think that this game has so many fun things to talk about, even if you're bummed out because you're a Vikings fan. But, you know, one of these things is the Rams offense, Jared Goff, Sean McVay, uh, that whole combination. It's great to talk about. And, and you know, Goff is that he's a talented kid. 
he's got a nice arm. He's an accurate quarterback. Uh, if anything, this one, it goes to show how important coaching is in the NFL, in particular for a quarterback, what type of system he's in, the details of that system, you know, the coach that's coaching that system and, and all those things and, and how that can be the difference between a guy who two years ago looked like an absolute bust uh, and now a guy that looks like an MVP candidate. I mean, he was phenomenal last night. Um, watching that game and, and, and the, some of the plays that were diagrammed uh, and, and designed and created by McVeigh uh, gave Goff a huge advantage. And, 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 and he, you can tell he knows exactly where he wants to go with the football. Uh, he's not jittery back there. Uh, when that ball hits his hand, he knows exactly what he's supposed to do, what he has to do. Uh, and to me, that's all because of Sean McVay. I've been sort of preaching about how good Sean McVay uh, is, uh, you know, going back to his, his Washington days as the offensive coordinator. I've known the guy for a while. He's an absolutely fantastic coach. It's a part of that, uh, that uh, Shanahan tree that I had most of my success with, uh, you know, with the Houston Texans before I came up to Minnesota. So um, this is the result of that. The talented kid who's really being coached really well by a guy who's creating some great plays to give – his offense, incredible matchups, and we saw a lot of that last night. So, Sage, what does a guy like McVay identify or see or scheme up that, that separates him from most? So when, when you think, talk about that. I, I think, you know, a lot of coaches, they, they have this thing where they go, you know, this is our system and these are the plays that we run. And, and you know, I was at a, a, an old team years ago or this last team I was on, we had a lot of success, and I was the quarterback coach, and now I'm the coordinator, and this is the plays that we run, and this is our system. McVeigh, obviously, he has his, you know, concepts that he likes, but he's, he's creative in the sense that he's totally fine with sort of breaking the rules um, of what he believes in because he sees, a, he sees a detail or something in the coverage that can be taken advantage of. And we saw that last night. Here's a classic example. Uh, that the, t- the first touchdown, I believe it was the first touchdown uh, to the running back, Gurley, it was about a, about a seven or eight-yard pass uh, right there in the red zone. And Gurley sort of ran like a seam route uh, out of the backfield. And in that, you look at the coverage on the replay, uh, the Vikings are in a bit what they would call a cover four. But a lot of times what happens in cover four is the backside safety, and I can't remember if it was Zendejo or, or Harrison Smith, uh, they sort of cheat and they sort of move to the strong side to try to help out because the linebacker, the middle linebacker is all by himself on the strong side. So they knew this, that the, quarter, that the, the safety would cheat over to the three-man side in what we call a trip set. So because of that, and when Harrison, uh, I think it was Harrison Smith, when he cheated over, uh, and rather having the running back just run sort of a, a check down or a flat route or something like that, he actually had him run a seam route. And I promise you, uh, and even though uh, Anthony Barr's played a lot of linebacker in the league, he has not seen too many seam routes out of the backfield by a running back. Uh, and it ended up being a, you know, basically a wide-open touchdown, uh, you know, it's a very, really, really tough play for McVay to to try to, to try to handle because he has to cover you know Gurley really all over the field and usually you think lateral, but in this situation it was a vertical concept and that's something will linebackers just aren't accustomed to. So Sage, if you're Mike Zimmer and you your defense has had its struggles basically ever since the second half of the New Orleans game in the playoffs last year, where do you go from here after getting blasted by the Rams last night? What, what is next for this defense? Because it seems like there's a lot of work to do on that end. 
Yeah, and, that, and that's the biggest, a real big concern, obviously. We're all seeing it. It you know, sort of baffles all of us. They've spent a ton of money on the, that defense. But you know, I think all of us would say that the dollars that were spent when they signed those contracts, we were all happy with. You know, it's, it's fans, it's analysts, uh, you know, as, as coach, the coaching staff. I don't think they signed guys that were not talented players to big contracts and, you know, really regret giving people a lot of money. I, I think they did a really good job of that. They've got really good players on the – uh, on that team but you know obviously right now they're just sort of getting worked over and uh you know i'm not sure exactly why that is uh you know i've said it on this show i've written about it many times this isn't really a complex defense you know this is not what mike zimmer believes in he believes in having uh your three or four uh sort of different coverages uh having a couple you know fairly basic blitz we all know about that double a gap blitz that does give some teams some trouble uh, but that he, he, he's a big believer, and if you really know what you're doing well uh, and your basic concepts, uh, you can sort of overwhelm an offense by knowing all the ins and outs of, uh, of what an offense does and, and, you know, what teams try to do to attack those basic coverages. So, uh, you know, did, does he change it up? Does he start running coverages that he's not used to? Does he try, start trying to blitz more and, and go into maybe a three-man front and doing things they're not accustomed to? I don't know if that's the answer. This is not what Mike Zimmer does. It's, you know, he's been coaching for a long, long time. Uh, he has certain things he truly believes in, and my guess is that he's going to stick to his gun. Well, Sage Rosenfeld's with us here. He's a, he's a weekly guest on our show on Fridays, and you can find him on the Purple Podcast a couple times a week, too, with Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you would find podcasts. Kirk Cousins is on pace along with two other quarterbacks, too, by the way, to break the all-time yardage record. I know it's super early in the season. We're still, you know, we're not even to October yet, but how do you balance his performances so far with some of the things that maybe raise red flags, like the fact that he fumbles more than any other quarterback in the league the last four years or so, and he seems to not have the greatest clock when he's standing in the pocket, but he still puts up these numbers. What's your read on him so far? Well, I think that's a legitimate concern, you know, that the fumble last night, that, you know, that was a huge play in the game, and there was definitely room to step up in the pocket. It seems like most of his fumbles come of this variety when he's in, in sort of the back of the pocket and somebody comes around and, and knocks the ball out of his hands. And my, my guess is Kevin Stefanski, the quarterback's coach, uh, will we'll be working with him uh, on this, you know, probably the rest of the year, you know, trying to get him to step up, step up in that pocket more. You, ha- you have to, of course, have a pocket to step up into. I will say this, by the way, and the, and the Vikings offensive line's gotten a, a lot of uh, a lot of people giving them a hard time, you know, so far this year. Uh, shoot, I've given them a hard time this year. I thought they played pretty well last night. I mean, they were asked to drop back. Uh, you know, they threw about 50 passes last night or something like that. Uh, and then for the most part, I think they did a really good job of trying to keep Kirk Cousins clean. I, I think the issue is they're not running the football. You know, they're whether they're just they get behind right away and they just start decide they're going to start throwing it. Uh, or they just want to throw it more because they have cousins. They have this, you know, guy who's got the strong arm. They think they can put up a lot of yardage and and maybe score a lot of points. Uh, but you know, to me, uh, I think that might be part of the issue. You know, with the defense, obviously they're giving up a lot of points and a lot of yards. But uh, you know, sometimes you're, you know, they always say your best defense sometimes is a great offense. And let's say a great offense that runs the ball keeps that deal off the, that defense off the field. Uh, one keep and, and also keeps them fresh. So when they're on the field. Uh, you know that they're super energized, and so you know there's sort of a combination play here, offense and defense, that work hand in hand together. Uh, I really wish that Kirk Cousins wasn't on pace to break the NFL record for most passing yards, because uh, you know a lot of times that's uh, 
and that's not a good thing. And in the last couple of games, it's because uh, you know the Vikings have been behind, uh, in, you know, in these in these losses and, and the tie, and they've been trying to catch up. So, Sage, since 2015, uh, Kirk has fumbled the ball 35 times and lost 14. How much of that is a product of pockets collapsing and things that can't be avoided by him? And how much of that circles back to to having to have a, an awareness of pressure that oftentimes is coming from your blind side? Yeah, that's the hard part. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, when I was out there playing, I was always terrible at, you know, sort of feeling it from my weak side. And I was always blown away. of like, how does Aaron Rodgers do this? How does Tom Brady know Drew Brees? It's almost like they have this, you know, sixth sense of, of feeling when somebody's right behind them. I, 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 can, I can remember a lot of times where I'm hit right in the middle of the back or somebody comes around and swipes the ball in my hands and I had no idea what they were there. So it's hard for me to give advice. Uh, to give advice to to another quarterback on you know how you sense that because I always struggle with that myself. I think some people just have it and some people don't. Uh, you know I think all you can really do is again uh, if Kevin Stefanski if the offensive coaching staff can try to get Kirk to step up in the pocket uh, to stay on rhythm to try to go through his uh, through his progressions as quickly as possible not hold on to the football uh, and sometimes the best thing to do is just to throw the ball away and move on and, and you know a lot of quarterbacks like to hang on to the football. For a bit too long, and more often than not, bad things happen rather than good things. So, Sage, with the running game and Dalvin Cook, I mean, he had 10 carries last night for 20 yards, two yards a carry, and we know he's not not 100% right now, and I think they had him on kind of like a, a carries restriction or a pitch count me and Judd were talking about last night on Ventline. How do you, if you're the Vikings, how do you get the running game going? I mean, you can't really rebuild your entire offensive line on the fly. I mean, you have to kind of stick with what you've got and just hope that guys stay healthy. But how do you get this running game going? Because they're going to need to be able to establish some form of a running game if they're going to stay balanced offensively. Well, they have to. They absolutely have to be able to run the football. I mean, if you uh, ask Mike Zimmer, what is your uh, you know, your sort of game plan, what is your strategy of how you win football games and how you get to the playoffs, you'll say, you know, great defense, run the football, protect the football, execute on offense, good special teams. I mean, run the football is a major aspect of that. And if you can't run the ball, you know, it puts us in all these passing situations and, it, you know, it, it gives defenses opportunities to strip the ball, you know, from Kirk Cousins. And so, yeah, running the football is absolutely huge. And whether you do it on first down, second down, you know, the hard part is if they run the ball on first down, they, they become this team that everyone hates. It's like, oh, the team that runs the ball first down, second down, and then they're super boring and super predictable. So we don't want that, obviously, right? So to me, uh, it's if they throw the ball on the first down, they got to get some completions. They got to set themselves up in, in second short, second mediums. Uh, you know, these situations where you know running the football is a, in a very advantageous place to be. So they got to figure it out. You know, one way or another, and and uh, you know, there's. That I, I truly believe that the offensive line uh, is is built better uh, and, and plays better as a more of a running team than a straight drop straight dropbacking team. So, uh, in my opinion, even if they get behind early, they get behind by ten points in the second quarter. You got to sort of stay the course, play the marathon game, and keep running the football because that, that also really helps your defense keep them off the field too. I think we have. It feels like we've got a little post-traumatic NFC Championship game stress syndrome here as Vikings fans and followers. Like every time the Vikings go to the NFC Championship game and get beat in devastating fashion, there's expectations for the, the following year and they fall flat. And I think you know it's it's hard to say that any of those previous 
rosters or or eras correlate in any way. But it it I, I understand why fans feel that way after a slow start to this season. And the Eagles on the schedule coming up next. This here we go again. Another letdown when you thought you might take the next step, Sage. Well, there's what people don't realize. You, you when you win a championship game. Uh, or you get to the championship game, or you get deep in the playoffs, then you add a few players uh, you know, that you think you've improved your roster, um, you're also going to get a, a much tougher schedule. You know, you're going to get the schedule you play all the other you know, winners of the division uh, you know, and, and, you know, during, the, during the regular season. So your schedule is usually you know, going to be tougher. I, I also believe this, and I said this at, at the beginning of the year, a couple of different radio shows that I would do, I would talk about how many games I thought the Vikings would win this year. And I truly thought it was going to be more like nine or ten games. And yeah. people thought I was sort of crazy. Like, you know, this is a team that should win 12, 13, 14 games and have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And I thought to myself, listen, it is hard, very, very hard to win NFL games. It's very easy to lose them, extremely easy to lose them. And last year, everything just sort of seemed to go right for them, it seemed like to me. You know, the, the ball bounced the right way. They get a timely turnover. Uh, uh, you know, the quarterback case would sort of make a, a, a timely play. Uh, you know, the, 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 the defense would do a couple of things early. They'd get up by 14 points and just sort of rely on that defense and the running game to sort of hold that lead. And, you know, they won 13 regular season games. That, 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 you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, uh, talent and coaching that goes into that, but there's also a lot of luck. And, uh, you know, that they, they you know, obviously Cook was out already this year. Um, yeah, I, think, I think losing Pat Shermer is something that hasn't been talked about, and this is not a, a hit on John Filippo at all. Uh, but, you know, you get really used to an offensive coordinator, how he calls plays, how he designs plays. The coordinator uh, has the entire team sort of thinking the way he does. That takes time. Uh, and even though he was only the coordinator for, you know, a sort of a shorter amount of time after taking over from North Turner, you know, he was around that office and that, you know, that building as a quarterback coach for that for a couple of years, too. So, you know, they lost that voice, the voice of the offense. Uh, and I think, you know, you know John DiFilippo you know, hasn't quite, you know, captured that room yet. And, and that should be something that, you know, we really don't talk about much. But I tell you, we talk, we, we talk about John, with Sean McVay, how important coaching is, and the details of a head coach and all those things. Well, they have a new offense court, new, new, new quarterback. Uh, you know, those are two big variables uh, that have yet to totally gel yet. Yeah. Great stuff, Sage. We love these conversations. We'll talk again next week, man. See you, Sage. All right, guys. Looking forward to it. All right. Sage Rosenfels. Also find him on the Purple Podcast on a regular basis with Matthew Collar. Back with more Football Hour next on Mackie and Judd. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic. 35W southbound. We have a crash uh, between 35th and 36th Street in Minneapolis. That's adding about 11 minutes to your commute. So if you're headed uh, towards uh, the Crosstown, figure about an extra 11 minutes to take you to get down there because of that crash. Gentlemen? Yeah, well, I mean, it kicked the flag. I mean, you know, we that's what we, you know, it's kind of things we've been doing. Uh, having penalties on defense and giving up big plays and, you know, reared its ugly head again tonight. Hard-fought game. Um, Give the Rams a lot of credit. They did some uh, some very good things. Uh, you know, we didn't play well enough defensively, uh, in the, especially in the passing game, uh, to uh, to affect the game. But I thought offensively, uh, we did some good things. Moved the ball well. Um, and just came up short. Another another thought from last night's game too. And you, this was the main 
complaint from callers on Ventline that I noticed. Mm-hmm. Boy, Anthony Barr is uh, he's a he's a space cadet. Sometimes he gets lost. Other times, I do think he was put in a couple bad spots with other teammates making mistakes, but. I can't remember the last time I watched a game and said, ooh, Anthony Barr really dominated for three hours. It's mostly, what is Anthony Barr doing? Or why is Anthony Barr in that situation? And I wonder if that means that we need to start seeing him just be a pass rusher. Because we, we, we all kind of anticipated them doing a lot more of that with him, but we have not seen that at all in these first four games. Yeah, well, and with Everson Griffin out, I don't know, maybe it's... Maybe it's a, a chance to get creative with Anthony Barr and see if you because, can spark something. Because I feel like if you just make him a pass rush and just say, look, for right now, just get in there, put your hand down, and just try and get after the quarterback, then you're not putting him in a situation where he's a space cadet and he's just thinking too much and he's in open space while Cooper Cup is running circles around him. Cooper Cup is a great football name. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, it's, it's a great football it's great. name. It's a great name. Yeah. I don't care what what sport he plays. It's a great name. It is. It's a good sports name. So here's but here's the two questions that we and and we talked about this in the past few months leading up to the season and both of these things made sense and we're not really seeing them. Anthony Barr was supposedly going to more frequently at least put his hand down and rush mm-hmm. and Harrison Smith was going to be used in coverage more. Why aren't we seeing that? This is even if you don't want to play George Iloka. Okay, so let's just forget about him for a second. You're better off going to three safeties and having Harrison Smith in coverage and and using two cornerbacks, and Alexander is now a non-factor because he does not play. I don't get that one. Harrison Smith has a far better chance to keep up with Cooper Cup if something goes very wrong than anybody else does. I, I want to make note here, too, because and I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to exonerate the Vikings defense. It, it it is not the same defense. There are reasons for it. Some are explainable. Some are to this point not. Uh, I also think what you're seeing across the NFL is um, another massive uptick in offense. You know the, the Vikings. The Vikings put up 31 points and 400 plus yards passing, and mostly carved through a decent Rams defense with some really dangerous pieces in their house. And they, you know, and like 31 points in that situation, that's enough to win almost all the time mm-hmm. in the NFL. And your your quarterback throws for 400 yards, not in a garbage time sense, but in a back and forth sense. And uh, and so, you know, believe me, the the Vikings defense is is not playing up to standard. But the rest of the league, it's 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 not like the Vikings are the only team struggling in the early going here. Um, I think part of it might be. That pass rushers don't feel like they can make quarterbacks uncomfortable, so so quarterbacks by extension are Donald. able to sit back there. Well, <laughs> he had one he had one sack that was like the, this is where I don't know you could have called him for spiking the quarterback into the ground, but he he came around and like with one arm basically yes. grabbed Kirk Cousins and threw him to the ground. He just sort of tossed him and didn't even go down himself. He just after, remained standing after the play started. And he just said, "Hey, Tom Compton, excuse me, I got to get around <laughs> exactly. you here." And and yeah. like, get to Mr. Donald, I'm sorry, I'll move. <laughs> I'll step out of your way. I'll problem. move. Yeah, but there are so half the teams in the NFL are allowing more than half. About two thirds of the teams in the NFL are allowing 250 pass yards per game or more right now in the first month of the season. It like Pat. Passing's been extremely prevalent for 20 years now in the NFL. The, you know, we had the Dan Marinos in the 80s and John Elway's, but then and Joe Montana's. But when we really started seeing a a huge influx in passing, right. was the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady era, and I and we're I think we're going to another level now. Even except the, the problem right now 
that I see that bothers me is it doesn't pass the eye test. The running backs who are getting open and catching 15-yard passes that turn into 50-yard gains, the tight ends. And there's got to be ways to at least try and combat these things, and we're not seeing them. That's what confuses me. Because Zimmer deserves credit for throughout his coaching career so often adjusting and adjusting well. And I guess I keep saying, okay, what's the adjustment? Because we saw Philadelphia do it, San Francisco did it, and it's the eye test that confuses me as to when we're going to see the adjustment now to try and uh, and defense yeah. those things. You know, if I were Mike Zimmer, what I would do, I'd go. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.